All right, here we are with episode 21 of A Coach and a Lawyer podcast. I am the coach, Deuce Booker, with my main man, the lawyer, officially the lawyer now. Give it up for him, folks. He's, he graduated last week. Big congratulations out to you, my man. I appreciate it, man. Like you said, episode 21 of A Coach and the Lawyer. He's Deuce Booker. He's the coach. I am finally the lawyer, CJ Donald. Man, I tell you what, it's been a fun week. Yeah, I mean, the show is official now. We're, we're legal. Right, we're legal. So 21. That's right. And then you're now officially a lawyer. And uh, hopefully I figure out what you know, I'm doing with life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're coaching right now. That's what you're doing with your life. You're doing pretty good. I know. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Last week was a really good week of recruiting. Got a chance to go down to the boot, a.k.a. Nolan, a.k.a. Nolan's. There you go. Have fun down there on uh, Bourbon Street. I did. Well, I did not go down to Bourbon Street. So <laughs> <laughs> let me, but let you me had, correct that. You had fun recruiting, though. Yes, and uh, yeah, it was it was good. Gosh, the food down there is so good. Red, I had I went to this place called Dunn Seafood. Um, if we were located in man, if we were in Memphis, they would definitely be our sponsor because uh, gosh, they're good. Dunn Seafood. If you're ever in New Orleans, folks, over in the Metairie part of New Orleans, you gotta go there. Uh, I had the red beans and rice one night. It's the red beans and rice with catfish one night, and then another night I got the seafood combo. So you just got a little bit of everything. Ooh, man, I'm just saying, like, I don't understand how Tennessee and Mississippi are the most obese states because, like, their food, it would definitely turn me from my 180 figure that I have now to 300-pounder easily. Hey, man, that's how, how it goes when you're down there eating at Louisiana fast, you know? Yeah, it was, it was good, man. It was, it, was some, it was some good food down there. I, I really enjoyed it. Well, good. I tell you what, man, I've been up to uh, just a little bit of moving this week and down in Dallas now, I played softball in a men's league for the first time last night, and boy, I am sore. <laughs> boy, I haven't played baseball in over a year, and so just getting out there, swinging the bat, oh my gosh, playing in the field. I need video of this. <laughs> I, I did pretty well, though. I, I was three for four. Uh, I struck out, had one home run. Wait, wait, wait. I had, the, I had a game-winning single. Different time, no, 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 no! Don't try to, don't try to ignore. You struck out. Yeah, man. Are we talking, and we're talking underhand slow pitch, right? Yeah, slow pitch. But you start out with a one-to-one count, right? So you only get two strikes. And so if you have like one foul tip and then one strike where you miss the ball, that's a strikeout. Or you have three foul pitches, that's a strikeout. And so I just missed it. I was swinging really high, man, and missed it. <laughs> oh my gosh. But hey, I wish I had fun with it. I made up for it though. I had inside the park home run on one of my hits. I had a game winning <laughs> single at the end of the game. You know, it's pretty solid. So eventually, eventually you caught on to. Oh how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Game works. yeah. It was, it was. Cool. Oh man, I wish I could have got a video there. But don't, don't feel bad. I've seen somebody in the kickball game, a grown man actually, oh. uh, strike out. And oh. we didn't start off with the one one count. It was a <laughs> over oh. count. And, oh no. Oh yeah. no, baby, what is you doing? <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. I tried my best not to laugh at him, but it was it was pretty hard. Man, my body hurts but, all over today, so. But yeah, man. So yeah, let's get into the show. Um, got a good uh, amount of stuff that we're going to discuss uh, on today. That's right. Um, hot topics: NBA draft, obviously, with the lottery uh, going down last night. Um, and then we also have up, uh, you know, talking a little bit of the Boston Celtics and their uh, situation with the Cavs or LeBron, should I say, coming up. And then. Um, and I also just kind of talk about a little bit of NBA 
just overall, um, how they're looking out here in these streets. So here we go. Episode 21, finally legal. All right, here we are. Episode 21 of A Coach and the Lawyer. Uh, he's Deuce Booker, the coach. I'm the lawyer, CJ Donald. We have to start off this segment. Uh, one of our favorite segments, the three to one lead. Deuce, tell us who's on the three to one lead this week. Yeah, sitting up on the three one lead couch uh, this week are the Boston Celtics. And Uh-oh. I know a lot of you probably were thinking, wait, the Celtics? They won the series. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Celtics. Woo! You get to face LeBron, defending champion Cavs. LeBron, who's been in the finals like the last six or seven years. Um, but that is not why they blew 3 1 lead. Not because they're going to get swept um, or get the gentleman sweep. <laughs> Still funny. Uh, get the gentleman sweep this time around. They're, they are in the uh, hot, well, not the hot seat, but just on the 3 1 lead seat for the simple fact that last night I'm watching the interview of IT4, Isaiah Thomas, for those of you who don't know. Um, he's out there, and, you know, the guy asked him, hey, how do you feel about you all's chances heading into this series with the Cavs? And IT4's response was, well, you know, y'all didn't give us a chance in the last series. We did it. Y'all didn't give us a chance. We were down 0-2 to the Bulls. So I imagine that we probably don't have a chance in y'all eyes this time around, but I like our chances. And then you turn around, and last night at the lottery pick, the guy that was representing them, the, uh, what is he, the governor slash managing partner for them? Okay. He sat there and said, yeah, I I'm glad we got the number one pick. Now, I wish we could use them on tomorrow night. That, to me, sounds like Boston is not ready to go out there and win this series between those two talking. Am I, am I crazy? Oh, so so what you're saying is that IT4 sounds ready to play, but the folks in the front office don't have faith in the players. Yes, exactly. And why I put them on 3-1 seat is because wasn't their number one goal to get the number one seat so they could be – Having a uh, home court advantage? Yeah, they pushed pretty hard for the number one seed there at the end of the season. Um, I don't really see a problem with this, though. Not like you do, maybe. Um, I do think that they likely will get swept by the Cavaliers. Um, But I also think that it's very important for the Celtics, in their eyes at least, to get the number one pick and make sure that they get the right player. So Isaiah Thomas... Been in the league now for six years. Is from Washington. Played college ball for the Washington Huskies. Just like the likely number one pick, Markel Fultz. Uh, who could be a point guard or a shooting guard. He's 6'4", with a wingspan of seven feet. So, this could be their way of saying, look, like we understand that this year for our fans might be rough. So, fans, don't expect too much of us. But next year, though... We got something for you. And I think that could be them saying, look, be excited about this lottery pick because the next few weeks of basketball aren't going to be fun and it's going to be a rough summer. Yeah, I see what you're saying there. It's just it's kind of backwards in my opinion just to sit there and make such a big deal of getting number one seed and then all of a sudden trying to downplay it because now you get the number one pick. It's like, no, you, you battled this far for so long. Go out there with the mindset that y'all can win it and make you know get the upset, uh, which is crazy to say because you know they're the number one seed. But right. we all know if had LeBron decided not to rest throughout the regular season, the Cavs could have very easily been the number one seed. Yeah, I mean that's totally true. The Cavaliers, 
in everyone's mind, they're <clears> going into this as the, you know, the favorite. And so I don't, I'm with you on this. The, the Celtics are acting like an underdog. They're acting like they're, you know, the eight seed. When in reality, they have home court advantage, you know, and they should be going to win. Um, if I were them, I'd feel really bad about this. I was watching the starters earlier today on NBA TV, and all of the guys on that show picked the Cavaliers to win it. Now, they are like some of the brightest basketball minds in the country, and they're all saying the Cavaliers are going to win it, despite the fact that the Cavaliers have to play in Boston for the first two games. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what, though? Yeah. I want to take this a little bit further. If I were the Celtics, I'd be worried about this draft class because I'm not sure that anybody in this class actually is a superstar. And even if you get Markel Fultz, who – it seems like everyone in Boston wants right now. Mm-hmm. I'd be kind of worried about the fact that he was on a Washington team that won nine out of 30 games. Yeah. And I'm, I'm with you on that, man. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this series works out. How do you think the series is going to play out? How many games are you giving Boston to win? Uh, zero. I think we, oh, you think they're just going to go for the full sweep, not even the, the gentleman sweep of giving them at least one? The, the thing that Washington does, I think, really poorly is Washington gets behind in games uh, when other teams get hot. And the Cavaliers have just been so stinking hot this playoffs. And what you have is the last game we saw, uh, the Wizards were up at one point by like 16 points, and Washington stormed back in the third quarter. That's not going to happen against the Cavaliers because Tyron Lue is a little bit better at managing the team and making sure that he, he puts out those dogs out there when it gets tight. So if you have a situation where they have a lead and they're blowing it, he's going to call a timeout, he's going <clears> to <throat> yell at him a little bit, LeBron's going to yell at him a little bit, and they're going to go out there and they're going to stop the run. I think the Cavaliers are better defensively than we give them credit for, but uh, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be a sweep. I really do. Okay, cool. No, I mean, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a sweep as well because it looks like the Warriors are going to sweep. And I don't see the Cavs sitting there watching that. Now that the Warriors are two games ahead of them, especially being happy with the Warriors getting maybe even one more day of rest than they would get. Uh, so now I think it's going to be a sweep for both the Eastern and Western Conference Finals, um, which is kind of sad because that's not what you would hope for at the professional level out of your conference finals, right? Am I crazy on this? I don't. So, I know you think this is a problem, and we'll get to this, I guess, in our next segment, but I don't think it's a problem. I think the games have still been entertaining. Um, it's been fun to watch LeBron school these boys and get 35 points per game. And quite honestly, like, I'm not watching the Warriors right now anyway because it's too late, and I'm old, so I got to go to sleep. But I think it is what it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, yeah, there you have it, folks. Uh, 3-1 lead segment, Celtics fans, Celtics in general, especially your front office, get off your little sad show and get out there and get excited. Try to go out there and upset the world, upset the establishment. Go out there and beat the Cavs. Try to do it. I don't think you can, but <laughs> you know what? Don't let me, in my opinion, stop you from achieving your greatness. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for 3-1 to one lead. All right, so next up, we got the uh, Sucks to Suck fan favorite segment. Um, so as we kind of alluded to um, at the end of the 3-1 lead there, um, you probably, if you're 
paying attention, kind of sense my frustration with the NBA playoffs, uh, especially with the conference finals kind of going the way they're going. Now, granted, Western Conference Finals could be different had Kawhi not have gotten hurt, and who knows, we could be sitting here. Maybe the Spurs are up 2-0, or it's a split series of 1-1, and we actually have a, you know, a series to sit here and watch. For those of us that don't mind staying up a little late, that don't have the 10-30 bedtime, and you know can stay up and still got that young blood in us. <laughs> hey man, we, when you have responsibilities, you got to go to sleep pretty early. I can't be out here watching the Warriors beat teams by 30 points. Especially the Spurs. That's not a fun game to watch. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's, it's been rough trying to stay up watching those games, but I've, I've been able to find some things to keep me motivated to stay up. So. All right, so your thing, and I've seen this in our show notes, you're saying that the playoffs have sucked for all but one series, and that was the Wizards and the Celtics. Yeah. And you're blaming LeBron for this? And I really want to hear what you have to say. I think you're crazy, but I want to at least give you a chance to tell me exactly what it is you think. All right, so first off, it's been quite a few episodes since I've had to frustrate, well, uh, voice my frustrations about LeBron uh-huh. and just him in general. So can I at least get that? Because I've given him a lot of praise over the last few episodes. You've matured, I- I'd say, Coach. You really have. Uh, <laughs> sure, you're mature. Um, <laughs> but I think LeBron is to blame for the way these playoffs are kind of structured. So if you look at the playoffs this year, there have been probably over 60% of the games have been blowouts and, you know, games that have been decided by 10 points or more. So a lot of that, I feel like, is due to a lot of these super teams. Okay. That being the Cavs and that being the Warriors. And you're blaming LeBron for the super teams. Yes. He has started this trend of the super teams, which now you take individual superstars from selective teams that, you know, if they were battling head-to-head, maybe they goes game seven in the first round and maybe even the second round, not just what we would hope for in a conference finals matchup. But now we got these super teams. So only thing we have to look forward to is the finals. Like a lot of people are not watching playoff basketball right now. They're waiting until June hits until the finals start because they know it's about this super squad versus that super squad. And I think it's all LeBron's fault. Like who was out there trying to create a super team before LeBron went down to Miami? Well, okay. So okay, well, I, sh- I shouldn't say who was trying to create a super team. Like, clearly, everybody would love to be able to do that, and I think th- at one point the Lakers were trying to get Chris Paul out there, and who was it, Dwight Howard as well with Kobe? Mm-hmm. I guess I know it has been tried, but like those are three. This, yeah, that was a unique situation. But LeBron just went out and said, like, yo, I'm gonna go get a couple of my best friends, and we finna go down to South Beach, and we gonna do it. And these were, you know, guys who were in their prime, like the Chris Paul and Dwight Howard going out to L.A. kind of made sense. Like they needed each other in a partnership the way they work with the point guard to center and, you know, having a good wing player and Kobe kind of relationship. But now you got LeBron with Wade and Bosh and then he leaves them because he sees Bosh is too old and, you know, got some medical stuff going on. And Wade's definitely aging to go to the young boys and Kevin Love and Kyrie. So... Kevin Durant and said, hey, that looks kind of fun. He's winning games and getting to these NBA finals. Let me go do the same. Bye-bye, Westbrook. Hello, Stephen Clay and Draymond. So I I, I disagree. Um, I think that's totally false. So I want to start by saying that the game has changed over the last 10 years, right? So when LeBron first entered the league, the league was more of a physical, um, you know, play for inside-out type of league. 
Right, driving to the paint. Yep. And now with the changes in how they're calling the fouls in the game, and with the changes to whether or not you can play zone, whether or not you can be in defense in three seconds, um, the league is much more of a spread the floor, let's play finesse style basketball. All right? So I want to say that to make you a point about uh, how you have more players on the team that seem to be superstars. But I want to go back to LeBron's first year in the league. That was 2003. All right? So if you look at LeBron's entire career, the first year he possibly could have even been a part of what we could call a super team was 2010 with the Heat. You'd agree with that, right? Yes. I definitely wouldn't call his Cavs team a super team. Right, right. Even when they had Shaq and Antoine Walker at the end, they were not in their primes. No, nowhere near. Okay. So I want to argue that there have always been super teams in the NBA and that it is totally unfair to blame that on LeBron. So go back to his first year in the league, the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. 2003, 2004 champs. All right. I'm going to name their starting five and the teams they are drafted by. Okay. Right. Ben Wallace, drafted by Washington in 96. Rasheed Wallace, drafted by Washington in 95. Picked up by the Detroit Pistons in 2004, right after the All Star break. All right. Tayshawn Prince, Detroit draft pick. Richard Hamilton, Washington draft pick. Chauncey Billups was a Boston draft pick. He was the MVP of that championship. Now, of the guys that were on that starting five, only one you heard was drafted by Detroit. And the year before they won that championship, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference. And those guys, like some of them were all-stars before they came to Detroit, and they all had been at least like the best player on their college team and were highly regarded as draft picks. And so it was kind of silly to say, like, I mean, they were, for all intents and purposes, like a super team. If you look at the 05-06 Miami team, right? They had mm-hmm. Shaq, who was a three-time champ before that year. They had Antoine, Antoine Walker, who was a three-time All-Star with Boston prior to joining Miami. And they had former Grizzly, our boy, White Chocolate, Jason Williams, who had made the NBA All-Rookie team back in 99. You go to that I, still can't, I still can't find my Jason Williams jersey. I'm well, very gotta, frustrated by you that. You have to find that jersey. <laughs> All right, but then you could go forward, right? 07-08, Boston Celtics. They beat the Lakers in the championship. Remember, they were the original big three. Paul Pierce brought Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett to the team. They also went out and got James Posey, who won a championship in Miami in 06. And then when the Lakers won it, they had to have Pau Gasol. So I don't think it's like LeBron is creating this. I think what's happened is you have uh, a, a bigger salary cap now more freedom of player movement with the CBA. And then you have a different different basketball style. But I don't blame LeBron for any of those things. I think he's a product of his generation, just like uh, any other person that grows up in any other system or circumstance. I see what you're saying. Valid points. Well-researched. Like it. Love it. Still disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's, here's why. Because I see what you're saying with the Detroit Pistons teams and Shaq and all those guys. None of those guys had their own brand, and like you could look at them as an individual and sit there and say, like, "Yo, I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna go get the Rip Hamilton shoes or the Chauncey Billups or something like that." And when you saw Wade, you knew Wade, the Flash, his own nickname. He was a Converse guy as far as sneakers was concerned at that point and everything. You had LeBron, big time client for the Nike industry. And then obviously Bosch. Okay, maybe not so much his own identity, but well, you no. knew he. You he knew had, he represented. You yeah. knew he represented the, the North. Yeah, exactly. He, he had those videos for All Star back in like '08, where he was like doing those commercials to get him on with the cowboy hat and everything as a Raptor. 
You remember that? I don't, but the fact that you do is great, and you just added to the few that people say Bosch is just weird. And he is. Out of- he was in overalls. and had like a straw hat on. It was so weird, dude. It was. I- uh, yeah, you're gonna have to find it and tweet that out from our link so I can watch it. We will. We will. <laughs> uh, but you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes. None of those guys from those previous teams had like their own specialized brand and some of those guys when they were getting to those teams yeah they won a championship but they were also right at the end of their prime where they were able to do just enough to help out that you know superstar who was starting you know to grow into his prime and whatnot that's that's to me is a huge difference between the super teams of today which you know you have kd steph and clay like those are three guys who if they were on three separate teams maybe not so much clay but I'm like depending on where Clay was, if he was in a small market, definitely be big time there. People in the region would love him. KD, obviously, big time global, you know, player there, well known guy with his shoes and everything. But Nike, Steph, clearly everybody loves him. I mean, Under Armour has gotten a huge spike because of Steph Curry. Then you go over, you know, obviously I told you about LeBron with Miami. Kyrie is killing it with his own brand and everything. And then Love would be that guy who's always the third person of the tr- of the Trinity who's in between, you know, being a superstar and an all-star. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is why I would say LeBron has kind of created this so, but, whole situation. But you don't think that the Boston team was similar? And that, like, Ray Allen had, had movies before he joined the Celtics. And Kevin Garnett certainly had his own brand. Uh-huh. Or what, yeah. And what about, like, Shaq joining Dwayne Wade? Like, Shaq literally had his own brand. I see. I see what you're saying. There, but that's what I'm saying. Championships. Like, but like none of the like. So Ray Allen wasn't the Ray Allen of he got game. Ray Allen was there to shoot threes. And hey, if you drive it to the lane, Ray, that's a bonus for us. Shaq was there to just really. Hey, we need a big man who can, you know, be a bruiser, protect the paint, and you know, lob it up. Well, to catch a lob from D Wade when you know he's getting double teamed down in the paint as he's slashing there and whatnot. That to me is a difference between when he joined the Heat. Okay. Wade could have st- Wade had just taken him to the playoffs all by himself yeah. previously the, the previous year, and so did Bosch. Like these are all guys who are in their prime, and I'm not totally upset at LeBron for doing. It. I just think he is part of the reason to blame for the situation in the NBA with their whole playoff situation of yeah. the lack of competition and competitiveness. Yeah. That's interesting. I think what the guys have noticed. I think maybe it's not his fault, but he's perfected the art. Of bringing guys together before they get too old. Yes, yes, and that's a it's a smart move by LeBron. Like that's what every person in the business world would do. You go and you get the top marketing person. You go get the best finance guy, and you go out there and you make sure your company is at the top. And that's what LeBron has been able to do, because he's like, hey, I am essentially Steve Jobs, and I'm go out there and I'm gonna get my Woj and the other guys to come out here and you know put together the um, programs and coding and everything that are brilliant. And but at the end of the day, I'm the face because I am technically the most talented and most well-known person out there, and that's what LeBron has kind of done with his super teams. But I think it's created a bad playoff atmosphere from a competitive standpoint yeah. for the NBA. Do you? And think, it's, it's just frustrating. Go ahead. No, no. So I, I know that it's frustrating, and I'm on the fence about whether or not the playoffs have been bad, or I guess we know they've been kind of bad, but have they been worse than usual? Um, because I guess before last year, there was a question as, a, as to whether the Cavs would make it to the championship. And this year, um, there's not that question. But I want to ask you, do you think that there's anything we can do um, 
like ask people that are in sports to help it out. So like maybe the college game, if the coaches in college were better, then you have better NBA players. Or if the NBA coaches were better, maybe we'd have better um, NBA like playoffs. Maybe if I don't know, there were less games, right, and the guys weren't as tired, we'd have a more like full throttle playoff system. Say you go down to seventy games, but then you make the playoffs be the first two rounds or five games apiece, and you have like three final rounds, and they're all seven games. So you add more teams to the playoffs, and then you like push it out to where. Is a bigger chance of getting to the playoffs because yeah. you play less just, regular season games. Yeah, I said just I don't think adding more teams to the playoffs is gonna help because it's just more sorry basketball to have to watch. Right, right. I think what you said beforehand though, one of your points was maybe something to do with the development of players in college. I think that is a huge part of it because we're gonna kind of take a look at this later on in the show. But if you take a look at some of these guys that have won and done over the last ten years or so, a lot of these guys were dudes and studs. And, you know, college level as a freshman. And for whatever reason, I mean, obviously for, you know, whether they needed money for a family or just because the hype around them was at the point where it's like, hey, you got to go. You can't blame a kid for like, hey, if I'm going to be a lottery pick, then go. But at the same time, their skill set wasn't developed throughout their time in the NBA. And it's clear because if you were to take a look at this list, and I'm kind of looking at there are so many names of one and done players out of some big name universities for the most part, who honestly, I don't recognize them. If I were to, you know, sit there and just be a casual NBA fan, like, if you just sit there and say, hey, who is Sean Williams of, you know, drafted in 2006? From Memphis. Nobody else, ex- yeah, but we're, we're Memphis. Exactly. We're Memphis guys. <laughs> nobody else really knows who that is. Like, let me Yo, give you another, so, let me so, give you another name. So Anthony Randolph. Yes. Who is, you know who Anthony Randolph is? Yes. No, I don't. No, I don't. Exactly. He was an LSU guy who was a first-round pick back in 08. Yo, so so let's go ahead and go there. So I, I can say we've exhausted, you know, uh, the sucks to suck segment. And we can go to our next segment, Heads or Tails. And let's start with this conversation and then work our way into the draft. Is that okay? That's fine with me. All right. So you have this theory. It's great that you found this link. Um, it's really kind of a smart thing to look at. So Colt Kesselring with uh, Hero Sports has written this article where he's talking about the one and done era. Because Commissioner Silver said some time ago that maybe this one-and-done rule could uh, be changed. So what would it mean for the future of basketball? And so what Colt did, he listed all of the freshmen selected in the draft, the NBA draft, from 2006 to 2016. We Most of us will note that Dwight Howard was the last like well-known like high school player to make that jump to the NBA back in like right. five and be successful. But like Deuce said, you got a lot of guys on this list that went to college for one year, came out, and have not been good. So go down the list, Deuce, and tell me some of the names that that could have been studs or were studs in college, but now they're not like recognized as good basketball players. All right, so like in 06, Tyrus Thomas, everybody remembers like him being really good in college for LSU. And he was okay for a couple of years in the NBA, and now he's nowhere to be found. Like I honestly have no clue if he's still in the NBA. Sean Williams, as we mentioned earlier, he was good for the University of Memphis for that one year that he was there, and bam, now I think he's overseas playing somewhere. Um, that was from 06. 07, you kind of look at some of these names, the guys who were one and done. You got like Daquan Cook out of Ohio State. I don't think he's still in the league. Um, you have Spencer Halls. Yeah, he's still in the league, but like, just give it a couple more drafts. They're going to drop him because <laughs> right. you know, they'll find somebody who's better than him. 
Um, and then you look, obviously, like Greg Oden got hurt. Um, Brandon Wright out of UNC. Is he still in the league? Um, with the with the Grizzlies, right? No, 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 no. Oh, maybe. Is that that Brandon Wright? Maybe a different Brandon Wright. Which, yeah. Oh, even a worse problem if we can't get the two Brandon Wright straight. Exactly. Like that's just that's our point. You know, like you got these guys out here who we knew who they were. Like I know who we, the UNC Brandon Wright is from 07, but I don't think that's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same Grizzlies. guy. Same guy. No. Well, there you go. He doesn't even really play for them that much though. Yeah, this, this year, this year, Brandon Wright had 16 minutes a game. Um, he only appeared in 28 games. Exactly, like that's what you're getting out of a guy who was a first round pick coming out of UNC. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder, should we flip this around, right? Instead of looking at the guys we can point out who are not in the league anymore, maybe we should take one draft class and think about the guys that are still in the league. So 2007. The one and done that year. Greg Oden, Kevin Durant, Mike Conley Jr., Brandon Wright, Spencer Hall, Thaddeus Young, Javaris Crittenton. So we pointed out, obviously, KD, Mike Conley, Brandon Wright, Spencer Hall, Thaddeus Young are still in the league. Javaris Crittenton and Greg Oden, I think they're both gone. I know Greg Oden is gone. Yeah, Critton is definitely not around. I don't recognize that name. And then Daquan Cook will be the one we don't know about, right? But right. that's the exact point. It's like if we're looking at this in that way, that's the first year the rule was in full effect where guys knew they could go to high school, then go to college, then be right out. The last year he played in the league, Daquan Cook, 2013. For guess who? Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Dang, you've been out for a minute. <laughs> that, that year he played 33 games. For the Bulls, played 16 uh, for the Houston Rockets, and averaged less than 10 minutes a game. That's pretty bad. That's that can't be good for his lifestyle. No, but and, and I guess the question would be like, would you rather have the one and dones? Would you rather have guys they, they do a football stay three years, get really good, and can decide at that point whether they want to graduate or stay another year, or they want to go to the NBA? Because I think then we have a better college game and a better NBA game. Yeah, because basketball is different than football. People, you know, will say, oh, well, you got football guys that are there for three years, for three years. And, you know, they uh, they don't develop into being able to be good pro athletes because it's a different system. At the end of the day, though, basketball is basketball. You've got to be able to shoot, <laughs> obviously, and play defense and dribble the ball. There are a few things that you could learn schematically, yes. But for the most part, like, if you're not willing to play defense, you're not going to make it in the league. If you can't shoot, you're not going to make it in the league. So, like, if you can do those things and then get better at it and more consistent at it while you're in college, you're going to, I think, be a really good pro. Yes. Yes. Well, and the thing, too, right, like, there's so many, like, options and areas to get into NFL uh, after you've had the three years of experience in the NFL. But, I mean, NCAA football. But for basketball – there's a much wider range of people they're selecting, right? So you can be a 16-year-old from overseas, and then you can come into the league at the age of 19, right, without having even gone to college, just by playing overseas basketball. But in football, that's really not the case. It doesn't really happen a whole lot like that. Yeah, exa- exactly. So I don't know. I just I think it's interesting that this – like if you – we're going to tweet this out so more people can kind of look at it. But, like, you look at this one class that had a bunch of one and done. So, like, 08, that was the year with Derrick Rose. You had, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five. You had about 12 
the 14 guys that were drafted in the first uh, and second round that were one and dones. And if you take a look at that list, like Derrick Rose, obviously, is still in the league, but there's a question of like how long, you know, with his knees and everything, obviously. But he was the one guy that was pretty dynamic. Um, then you have Kevin Love, who was good. Um, but we'll see what his career ends up being in a couple of years mm-hmm. as LeBron starts to get tired of him and wants somebody younger and that he can just actually truly vibe with. <laughs> um, and let's continue to look down this list. Um, O.J. Mayo, not in the league anymore. Eric Gordon is just a shooter for Houston. Uh, Jared Bayless is unfortunately stuck with the 76ers, probably not doing too much of anything. Uh, Anthony Randolph, don't think he's – I think he's barely surviving in the, the league. Knicks, I think. Yeah. J.J. Hickson, no clue where he's at. Costa Kufus is out there with the Kings, I believe. Yes. Uh, he was he, he was good with the Grizzlies. He was starting yeah. early this year. Yeah, he's he's not bad, but like I think that's also a situation where there's a lack of good big man in the NBA these days, and he's just hey, he left at the, He's one of those guys who had to leave because this is probably the best time for you to ever leave, and he's capitalized on that for himself. Uh, Dante Green from Syracuse, nothing. He's DeAndre pr- Jordan. He's currently playing. Uh, I think he's playing international basketball. Yeah. Then you have Bill Walker, <laughs> negative. Right. Um, and then lastly, DeAndre Jordan, who still can't shoot a free throw, even though he's been in the league nine years now. Um, so there you have it. Out of that list, you got DeAndre Jordan, Derrick Rose, Kevin Love, and Eric Gordon. Those are four out of, I believe, 12 or so guys that left after their freshman year. And two of those could be out of the league in the next two years. Right. And let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. So six of those guys were top ten picks. Yeah. And guess what? DeAndre Jordan wasn't one of the top ten guys. <laughs> no. So I think this helps us move into our next segment, uh, which we're kind of already in it, but heads or tails. It's really a toss-up. We're talking about the NBA draft. So the draft lottery was on uh, May 17, and then the NBA draft will be on June 22nd. 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. And if you'd like, Deuce, we can go ahead and talk about uh, who should the top three lottery teams pick. Is that okay with you? That sounds good to me, man. All right, so uh, in the draft lottery last night, uh, the top 14 pickers, the top 14 teams are as follows. Boston, they got a pick from uh, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, L.A. Lakers, Philadelphia 76ers, pick from the, from the, from the Kings, uh, the Phoenix Suns, Sacramento, got a pick from Philly, Orlando, Minnesota, New York Knicks, Dallas, Sacramento, again, Charlotte, uh, Detroit, Denver, and then Miami. So the top three teams was, again, Boston, L.A. Lakers, Philadelphia 76ers. All right. So you are on this thing where you're saying the Celtics should draft who? Um. Definitely not who everybody else is saying they should draft within no, Fultz. I don't. I don't think they should go for Fultz. Um, personally, I think they should go for Tatum. I honestly think they should go for Tatum. They need, they need to, one. They need to definitely get Tatum, but in doing so, you got to get rid of Horford, or at least get him to take a you know a price cut. They're paying that man twenty six mil this year, and he's gonna get twenty seven, I believe. The next year and then 28 after that that is a lot of money for somebody who honestly i thought he was hurt <laughs> if you just kind of really want wait, me to be so, honest wait wait so, so you're saying i just want to make sure i got this right 
you're saying that the Celtics should take Josh Jackson. No, or... no, no. Just take him. Forget the Josh Jackson that I had in our notes. I, I'm, I, I've watched. Yeah, I thought about it. Yeah, I'm fully bought into. Well, obviously I'm a Duke guy, so that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, I'm into the Tatum bandwagon. Which, by the way, his he's got connections here in Memphis. I'll tell you about that off air later. Okay, so this is my thing. I think the Celtics, as they currently are constructed, are fine. They're not going to beat a Cavaliers team. I mean, they could, but like theoretically, they won't for the next few years unless something happens with the injury. I understand that Al Horford is getting a lot of money. Um, next year, he's slated to get twenty-seven million dollars, uh, but I don't see how you get Gordon Hayward to sign with your team for less than twenty mil. Right now, he's making. 16 million uh, for the Utah Jazz. And he has one more year in that contract where he could get out this year as a restricted free agent. But then also, you know, remember, Utah could offer him more money than any other team. Right. What I think they but should. What, sorry, go, no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. What I was just going to say, though, I think what Boston has going for them, although the Jazz can offer more money, the Celtics have his college coach who's kind of helped him get to where he's at, you know? Yeah. So he's he's stepping into that. Yeah, well, I, I have no doubt that Hayward would go to Boston and play for Brad Stevens. I'm not sure the Celtics should take him is what I'm saying. Okay. So Hayward's usage right now, his percentage for usage on that Utah Jazz team is 27.6%. He gets 33 points per every 100 possessions. So in Boston, he's that kind of usage level would take away from Isaiah Thomas and uh, Gerald Green. And Avery Bradley and Al Horford. So say if you get rid of Al Horford, okay, then you have a situation where, you know, you have usage for Isaiah Thomas at thirty-four percent, Gerald Green twenty-two percent, Avery Bradley twenty-one percent, and then all those guys are scoring as much or more points than Hayward in that same amount of time. I just don't think that Hayward is good enough to play on that team, like mesh with that team cohesively. Right now, he has the ball in his hands a lot. And he's not going to get that in Boston. There's no way that happens. Yeah, but I think that would benefit him not having to be a ball-centric guy. He's just coming off of screens and catching and shooting. I think that would help him out. Like, Boston doesn't have that three-point threat who can just come off with a curl screen and, bam, pop up and shoot it the way Hayward does. And it still allows IT4 to be able to be a ball-centric point guard, which, you know, that's just going to be IT4. And the other thing behind, if they get Hayward, you have to get rid of Horford because next year, guess whose contract comes up to close to an ending? IT4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. IT4 ain't taking less than 20-something mil either. Well, he shouldn't, right? He shouldn't. No, he shouldn't. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to get rid of Horford. Horford has not earned his 26 and then next year to be 27 mil. But don't you think that if they get Hayward, that uh, Isaiah Thomas' production will go down? Yeah, his points may go down a little bit, but his assists will go up. And he'll have somebody else to be able to make buckets when he can't. When teams are doubling him like the Wizards did. Like, let's face it. Game 7 came down to Isaiah Thomas was able to make the shots that John Wall couldn't. John Wall, he makes those shots. We're talking about something completely different, I feel like. Sure. Am I right? Sure, sure. It's like teams aren't going to stop doubling Isaiah Thomas. He will forever be 5'8 or 5'9, however tall he is. Yeah. So teams are going to continue to double team him. Well, if he's able to dish the ball out to Gordon Hayward, that changes things a little bit. I think Gordon Hayward's a better offensive weapon than Avery Bradley. But now you have Avery Bradley coming off the bench, which that's not a bad bench option to have. He could win six men of the year. That's like having a Ginobili coming off your bench. 
You know? Yeah. I just don't see Avery Bradley wanting to do that. Um, I think what happens is they get rid of Avery Bradley, and instead Boston should go out there and get Markel Fultz. Explain your reason behind them getting Fultz. Well, Washington Husky guy, he already knows and likes Isaiah Thomas. Um, that's yeah, until, they, until they're both competing for the same spot. <laughs> well, no, so what they've said is they get rid of Avery Bradley. Then you have they, – they said it as recently as today. Uh, I saw the Boston front office like, kind of intimate this, right? You get rid of Avery Bradley. Then you have Isaiah Thomas and Fultz playing alongside each other as starters. Interesting. And so that puts a little bit of pressure on Fultz to produce immediately, but not a whole lot of pressure because you're playing along with the guy who's an all-star and could very, could very easily be MVP of the playoffs if they can get past the Cavaliers. Do you think IT4 could be an all-star if he was in the West? Ooh. Yes, because... I don't, I don't want to get too far off topic with that. Just how, like how good of an all-star is he actually, you know? Yeah, I mean, I know the East is weaker than the West. But I'd still say that he's become one of the best point guards in the Western Conference. Like, like, do you think that Isaiah Thomas, as a point guard this year, has played better and lifted his team to higher heights than Chris Paul? Even if yeah. Chris Paul's body of work is way better than IT4's. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. But I think you have Steph, who's better. You have Westbrook, who's better. James Harden, who is better. Um, who else out there? I think Mike um, Conley's better. Yes, I forgot. That I keep forgetting that they're Western sure, Conference. Sure. Um, so that's that's four guys that's better than him. Sure, but guess what? Only one of those guys is still playing. Steph. True. True. I mean, you, you play the competition you have in front of you. Right. Right. I just, I'm just saying, like, you have it four and Fultz back there together. A young guy trying to learn his way through things coming in playing either the one or the two if he's playing the two not only is he learning a new position while he's trying to just transition to the nba um then you have it4 who is he gonna i mean obviously yeah he'll pass the ball when it's time to and everything but like one of those guys is gonna have to learn something new which is easier for a false to do because he's a new guy mm-hmm. so i don't know i'm just it'll be interesting to see what boston does which honestly i think boston like i said earlier they're almost in a bit of a lose-lose situation because they have so many options and like the wrong move could take them out of where they are now mm-hmm. being a potential title contender and it, it'll be interesting to see how things play out for them like that's just the, that's the draft though I mean we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier you just don't know like people make such a big fuss about the draft because it's the cool thing to do and you want to get excited and have that bit of hope for your team and whatnot it's a crap but Exactly. At the end of the day, only two or three of these guys are going to really impact the league five to seven years from now and take their team, potentially take their team to the promised land. Yeah, I mean, just to drive that point home just a little bit, if you'd ask people back in 2007 who would be the better NBA player, Greg Oden or Mike Conley? Yeah. If you'd ask somebody to bet their life right on it. Exactly. You, you go to the guy who's seven feet tall and took his team to the Elite Eight, Greg Oden. Exactly. Exactly, and many people would say that Conley was only getting the height that he got. Because of, of Greg Oden. Exactly. So, yeah, um, but, yeah, moving on from the Celtics, uh, to try to finish up with the other two of the top three teams in the lottery, uh, the Lakers. What do you think is going to happen there? Uh, big baller brand, baby. If you're not a big yes. baller, you can't afford these shoes. Yes. <laughs> I, I Most mean, definitely. We need no discussion there. I mean, I know you said they should get faults. We need no discussion there. They have to get lines up. 
Yeah, no, I, I think the Lakers got to get Lonzo. I hope that, man, if they get Lonzo, one, I'm buying a jersey. Two, yes. I'm, I may actually go through and buy the shoes. If they if they draft Lonzo, I, I've i been debating it over the last 24 hours. Are you becoming I'm, a Lakers fan, Deuce, in front of our mm-hmm. eyes? Negative, negative. I told you, I, I'm a huge fan of Lonzo Ball and, like, what he represents and what the big brawler band, brand represents, um, minus some of the shenanigans of LeVar. But if he gets drafted by the Lakers, I'm definitely buying a jersey. It's just a matter of can I write that check for those shoes? I am going to think very hard on that one because um, I'm not a shoe guy anyway. But if I because if I buy them, I'm going to want to hoop in them. But at the same time, I don't want to get them like ruined to be a $60 pair of shoes compared to the four ninety five that it cost me. Right, right, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Moving on. We agree, we agree yeah. on that. We agree on that. Philadelphia, yeah. who do you think the 76ers should get? So, I think with Philadelphia, I don't know why people are making such a big fuss about the Celtics. The biggest winner right now in the draft outside of the Lakers, potentially, depending on what they do, is definitely the 76ers. Like, yes. Their team has got to have the most hope and you know excitement right now because of they've been just horrible for forever and a day, it feels like. But like, they're I finally can't... actually pretty decent. Right, they have the talent, the proven talent. It's just a matter of staying healthy for them right now. So can they draft somebody who can stay healthy for one and then actually do what the other guys have been able to do outside of Jaleel Okafor over the last few years for them in the draft pick, in their so, draft? So who do you think they should get? You got to go for Fultz or Malik. Okay. I know I didn't put that in the notes, but I just thought about it. Malik or De'Aaron or Fultz, that's who they have to go for. They need a guard who can either within Malik shoot or you bring in a point guard who can drive it to the paint within De'Aaron Fox, who, man, think about that. Him, Simmons, yeah. and Joel Embiid. Yeah, that's, uh. a, that's a good squad. Okay, what about or, this? Yeah. What about this? If if Boston takes Fultz, like I think they will, and LA takes the ball like they better do, what if Philly gets Jason Tatum to replace Robert Covington? God, that's such a horrible. I don't. They don't need more length in there. Like they're gonna end up kind of like where the Bucks were a few years ago. Where they're just gonna have too much, you know, length inside and not enough like guards to be able to actually get you the ball so? down low. Yeah. So? Well, I, I mean, I said Tatum is good because he showed us in the ACC tournament really that he was willing to go in there and get his own shot right to the rim. Right. That's what I'm saying. But like he can do that, but at the same time. It's not like he doesn't have a seven-footer in Joel Embiid down there. Right. And every now and then, it depends on what happens with Okafor in his career. He may be in there, too, on the second team or whatnot. Like, the 76ers, they need to go out and get a – I don't – I love Tatum. I think, yeah, he's probably the better talent at that spot if he's still available. But I think the 76ers, along with the Celtics and Lakers, are at a point where, like, you don't have to say, I'm going – for the best talent, I'm going for the best talent of my needs. Right. Like what do, What do I need? Because this this talent, I mean, this draft is loaded with potential talent at various positions. So go out there and get the best at what you need for these for these top three teams, which is a very unique situation to be in if you're them. Because like you got the Lakers and 76ers who could go from being trash teams to potential playoff contenders, um, and then you have the Celtics who can go from being title contender which people kind of shyishly say to like, oh no, they could actually be challenging LeBron and the Cavs. So I am super excited to watch this draft. This is going to decide what the NBA looks like for the next, well, after LeBron retires, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. 
You're, uh, hey, man. I'm with you on that. Um, well, that was fun. And Yes, uh, most, guess, most definitely. I guess we have a, about another month, really, to debate over what happens in the draft or what will happen in the draft. I'm sure we'll see some uh, switches in these picks. I'm sure we'll see a bunch of teams try to trade up and get ball or get, you know, to Fultz or Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox. So we just got to keep waiting and keep just being patient for the moves. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're a GM out there and Danny Ainge call you, don't pick up that phone. No, don't, don't do, it. do it. Don't get tricked. Don't get tricked. Danny Ainge, he's, he's a slow one. He, he makes those deals for the benefit of the Celtics like you should do. But, man, I'm telling you, he's been robbing folks lately. And man. it's worked out for them. So, well, man, I am super excited for the future of the NBA. Hopefully, it can get back to being competitive uh, throughout the playoffs. And this has been a great episode for us now that we're finally legal. Finally legal, Hopefully, baby. Hopefully, you, the fans, are continuing to enjoy the content that we're putting out there. And we are in the works of potentially adding some more ways for you all to kind of hear our thoughts on the sports world that is out there for us to enjoy each and every single day. We appreciate you all out there. Sorry we can't give you all the cake and ice cream um, physically, but hopefully giving to you emotionally and spiritually with this podcast on today. Episode 21, we out.